welcome back to the Mirror Image Podcast. If you don't know me, my name is Alyssa. I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. And also starting off with an apology for not posting an episode last week. I had some personal problems and issues going on and I just really wasn't feeling up to it and I didn't want to like subject you guys to a bad podcast episode so I just decided to skip it but now I'm back and I'm very excited because we're talking about a fun topic well not a fun topic but like a topic where I have a lot to say so I'm very excited to talk about it Um, but first as we all know we have to talk about me what's going on in my life So the biggest thing for me right now, the biggest marker of time, is that third quarter is over. And I was literally just about to explain to you guys that we have four quarters, which, duh, okay. Moving on. Third quarter is that time of the year where everyone is just not feeling great, I feel like, because it's so dreary outside, it's cold, it's gray, And everyone is wishing it's fourth quarter, but you have to get through third quarter to get there. And this year, our third quarter was 11 weeks long, which is so much longer than normal. Everyone was, like, feeling it, I felt like, because even the teachers were just, like, slumping, (laughs) if that is the correct word to use. But, yeah, during last week, I was like, I just gotta keep getting through these weeks, but luckily, fourth quarter is upon us, and that always makes me happy because it's like summer's coming soon, and the spring season is like happening all around us, and actually, spring has sprung pretty much where we live, and last episode, I'm pretty sure I said like, I think we're feeling spring a little bit, but now for sure spring is here. There's, like, the daffodils blooming and stuff, which is so, so pretty, and no leaves yet from what I'm seeing outside my window, but fingers crossed, leaves and plants coming soon. Yay, I'm so excited. So, another thing that third quarter, the end of third quarter signifies to me is that AP exams are coming up, and then I have to study for those, which are so god-awful and so annoying because you have to remember a whole year's worth of content and then be tested over it and I'm just like I feel like I'm not that good at doing really big tests like if you gave me a test over something that I started learning a week beforehand I could probably pull through but if you give me like a big end of the year or midterm test, it really, really freaks me out because I feel like there's just so much to cover. And then when I start studying, I already have this like big, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's so much to get through. I just like either procrastinate or I get overwhelmed and I'm not able to concentrate when I study. So yeah, (laughs) so I don't like studying for AP exams, which is why last year I took off two months or so from the podcast and like from a lot of my extracurricular things and stuff and I put a lot of things on hold because I was like I really need a lot of time to study but I don't want to do that this year because I felt like it just made my life feel so monotonous like I would just come home study and like go to dance sleep go to school repeat and it's like just too too draining and Last year, I think definitely for some of those classes that I took, I was 
really trying to like solidify getting a high score but um so I was probably overachieving a little bit but this year I really want just to pass pretty much like I would still like a high score but I don't have to be like the best of the best the cream of the crop to feel happy about how I perform on the test so this year it's just like we're just gonna try and pass we're just gonna try and get the college credit and <laughs> see what happens from there you know and I think that kind of is due to the fact that like this whole year I've been trying to like put less pressure on myself academically and let myself focus on other things that I like, like this podcast for example, and just taking care of myself like as a body and as a brain and not so much like success wise and like future oriented because I cannot keep living like for the future because it just really takes me out of the present and then I'm not able to enjoy myself where I am because I'm always thinking about like the next best thing but once I get to that thing there's never an ending point so I'm trying to reach like the next best stage which is a good college but once I'm there it'll be like I just want to get a good job and it's like on and on and on and it's just so awful and it makes you burn out so now I'm just like okay well let's live in the moment you know like you can still work hard but don't like put so much pressure on yourself to work toward a goal that's like very hard to get to if that makes sense and another fun thing is that spring break is coming in one week and my family and I are going on vacation and I'm very very excited we're going to the beach and that is much needed currently because I am missing the sunshine a little bit. I mean, the sun has come back for spring, but I'm missing, like, warm, warm weather, like, hot weather. I do like warm weather, I think. I used to be more of a, more of a cold weather person, but now I feel like I'm chronically cold, and I want the warmness. I feel like I'm sort of a reptile now. Like, I need a heating lamp to keep me warm, if that makes sense. Like, I need to just be lying on a rock under a heating lamp, you know, having a good time. Actually, I feel like the dream life might be a reptile. I always thought the dream life would be, like, a sloth. But, like, sloths, they have predators. But, like, if I was a pet reptile, you know, like, living in a, a tank under a heating lamp, like... That kind of sounds ideal right now. Um, doing nothing, you know? Just the life. Or a panda, I think. A panda would be a fun life to have. Pandas just look like they're always having fun. And, and you know, there's, like, videos of pandas, like, just doing random, like, the weirdest things. Like, climbing tiny stalk trees and, like, getting stuck. You know? I feel like they're so humorous. I don't know if they mean to be. They're just, like, so funny to me. And as to what book I'm reading... I'm still stuck on the goldfinch, quite a little bit, slightly embarrassing, but uh, the goldfinch is just one of those books to me where some parts of it, I just want to keep reading and reading and reading, and other parts, I'm like, please kill me now, like, this book is so boring, but I'm in one of those good parts right now, and no spoilers, but, like, it's more towards the end, I guess, I'm like, a little bit more than halfway through. Um, there was this whole section of the book which took place in a different place 
than the first part of the book. It was like the second part of the book that just took place and it was weird. Oh, did you guys hear that? There's like some birds tweeting. Anyways, this section of the book was just weird. Like, I feel like it could have been distilled down into like a few chapters, but they took up a really long time with it and it was just not to my liking. Now we are back in New York, which is where the book takes place, and we all know my bias toward New York, so I'm having more fun now, and we're getting to know a little bit more, like, about other characters' stories, which I also like, because no offense to Theo, the main character, but, like, I'm like, can we just get a move on here? Like, let's- where's the plot going, you know? It's kind of one of those stories right now, like, give me a little bit more- a little bit more drama, you know? <laughs> A little bit more drama, yeah. Oh, and also that reminds me, speaking of drama, I watched a really good TV series over my kind of week of crying in isolation <laughs> um, last week, which is called Only Murders in the Building. It stars Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, and it's so funny and so good. I'm really a fan of, like, mystery comedies. I think they're so funny and like they have enough drama to keep you engaged but it's not a TV show where I would be scared watching it at night which is like one of my main criteria for enjoying a TV show is that like if I'm gonna be scared watching it at night I don't want to watch it. So Only Murders in the Building it's funny and it's lighthearted, but like there's still a good mystery and yeah, I just think the dynamic between all the leads is really good, and I watched it in literally a day. I'm not even kidding, like an actual day. I started it in the morning, and I finished it at night, and no regrets. I was super good. My eyes probably got a bunch worse from staring at the computer, but it's fine. So, smooth transition into the next section. Today, we are talking about what it's like to be a teen girl in 2022 or just the teen girl experience in general and I wanted to talk about this today because March is Women's History Month and March 8th was International Women's Day. It's a good time I think to reflect on being a woman in today's society. It's a good time. I feel like I sound so so cliche. It's a good time to talk about, you know, what does it mean to be a woman? But I did want to talk about it because as a woman, I have a lot of rants about what we deal with every day. And that even though we do see a lot more female representation and a lot more um, gender inclusion, there's still a lot of problems in our daily lives that we might not even think about because they're so they've always been there and then we never like see them as a problem but they are very problematic and i just wanted to talk about all of this um starting with something that my sister told me recently so here's a little bit of a story time for you um my sister is in sixth grade in middle school and the middle school that she goes to has i would say a pretty strict dress code policy um, just that they dress code a lot of people, like, more than I would think would be acceptable. Like, a lot of my f sister's friends have been dress coded. And, like, not that I'm the expert on middle school fashion, but I'm pretty sure I know how most middle schoolers dress these days, like, with a middle school sister. And I don't think there's any 
cause to have so much dress coding going on. Anyways, there's this particular incident that really, like, riled me up. Like, I was so, so shocked when I heard this. It made me so uncomfortable. Okay, so my sister has a friend who was wearing shorts at school, like, athletic shorts, whatever, whatever, and she was sitting there, like, eating lunch, blah, 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 and our principal, or not our principal, but her principal, I went to the same middle school, so I guess our principal, the principal walked by, and the principal is a woman, which I think adds an interesting layer to this. Yeah, just a disclaimer there. The principal walks by and sees my sister's friend. We'll just give her, we'll call her B, because I think that's fun. It's also like Gossip Girl, like B, S, best frenemies. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I need to, I'm so bad at telling stories. It's actually awful, like unhinged. Okay, get it together, Alyssa. All right, so the principal walks by and sees B sitting there, and she, like, goes wide-eyed or, like, bug-eyed. I'm just picturing her, like, going, like, well, you can't even see me, but it's, like, her eyes just opening, like, what? Um, that's how my sister told it to me. So she looks, like, very wide-eyed at B, but she doesn't do anything, and later B is sitting in class, and her teacher gets a call from the principal and is like, can you please send B down to the office? And then when B gets to the office, I feel like you can see where this story might be going. Um, she goes to the principal's office and the principal sits her down and is like, okay, B, listen, you're really pretty. Like she says that. She says, the principal says to her, you're really pretty and you have great long legs or something like that. Um, guys, okay, I cannot be the only person who thinks that is incredibly, incredibly insane to say to a student. Um, okay, let me finish this story, but, like, Jesus, goodness gracious, okay. She's like, you have, I don't even want to repeat it, blah, blah, blah. She's like, and there's a time and a place for your outfit, but school is not that place. And if you wear these shorts again, you're gonna get in trouble is basically the gist of it. And I was like, oh my god. I was so, so shocked that this teacher, this principal, would say that to a sixth grader. And I was like, first of all, that's wildly inappropriate, A, to be commenting on her looks, B, dress code in general. I want to talk about dress code. But firstly, I hope that all of you guys have never had an experience like that with a teacher, a person, an adult in power who, like, comments on your appearance in order to make a comment about your outfit, too. Like, it's just so insane. Regardless of the fact that the principal is a woman, which I think is still very interesting because this principal does dress code a lot of people, apparently. But, like, regardless of the fact, like, this power imbalance and then the use of, like, those comments... And especially, like, being a woman in power and, like, you know what it's like to have wildly inappropriate and rude and offensive comments from other people in power, in men particularly, and then you go ahead and use those same, like, misogynistic and horrible comments to a young girl. Like, what is your damage? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. And I was so upset. Like, 
my sister kept on trying to tell me the rest of the story and I was just like, oh my god, I cannot get over this. I will talk about this later, but like, misogyny and the patriarchy is kind of still enforced to some extent by some woman and especially like those women in power who like belittle and like act that way to other women to keep their power it's just like disgusting and so so gross okay anyways i was telling the story because i wanted to talk about dress code not um scary principles but jesus like it made me feel so uncomfortable and it like ruined my day and like i knew that principle and i didn't think she was like that but like jesus christ crazy okay so anyways i wanted to talk about dress code because i feel like dress code is still a prevalent issue as it relates to like the female experience and the female body and what i think is that dress code in and of itself promotes fear and like almost a stigma around the female body and I don't like that because I feel like when you start with the dress code thing, this whole, like, enforcing it as young as, like, sixth grade, which most kids are, like, 11, 12, you're, like, teaching them, these young women, these young girls, that, like, oh, your body is, like, not to be seen. Like, it needs to be covered up. It's, like, not good to show it. And it's it's not good in any regards. And even if you're not being intentional, if you show your body, that's a bad thing. And that just teaches, I feel like, such stigma around the female body and, like, is already putting girls into this world where it's, like, this is the male gaze and this is how you're gonna live, like, under the male gaze consistently. Whereas, like, a young girl wearing regular shorts have might have, like, no connotation behind these shorts and thinking, like, oh, I'm wearing short shorts on purpose. Maybe she's just wearing shorts. But then, like, someone dress codes her, and now she's like, oh, I can't wear those shorts. Or if I do wear those shorts, I'm making a statement because of the patriarchy, because I'm living under the male gaze. I just don't think that's, like, very safe, intelligent thing to do to young girls because it just messes up their idea of, like, autonomy. And, like, they're like, I can't dress for myself. I have to dress for someone else, you know? And also, I think it teaches to young girls that if you want to dress in a way that's more revealing, I don't even know if revealing is the right word, because these are like children, like, you want to dress in a way that's not so much like hiding your body, um, that's bad, and then so like other girls will look at you and they will think that you're a bad person because you dress in a more revealing manner, and it carries on, like, people don't like to think of girls who, like, wear short shorts or, like, crop tops or tank tops or anything like that. They don't like to think of them as, like, good people and, like, they're always so biased against them, whereas, like, you could have this, like, super intelligent and kind and beautiful person, but, like, oh, if she's a model and she, like, wears bikinis, then, like, we don't like her, and that's so misogynistic just in and of itself, but, like, this whole dress code thing, I feel like it teaches to young girls um, who maybe don't dress more revealing that they can't like and, like, be friends with and, like, admire these girls who dress more revealing, and that's just awful. And what's more, it just puts so much pressure on girls to do the right thing consistently when the problem itself 
as we all know, isn't the girl's problem. It's like society's problem. It's the male gaze problem and this issue of people not being comfortable with the female body and not knowing how to like deal with it because I've learned this a lot through like art history. The female body has this like inherently like dangerous connotation with it, especially like the nude female body. And people just think that we've gotten past that maybe a little bit, but it's not true because we still have these archaic things like dress code. And we are calling young girls down to the office for wearing shorts and then like commenting on their bodies and like just a whole slew of problems. Yeah, so I was just so upset about that comment and I wanted to talk about dress code. Maybe bringing a new light to it because while I think that like Yes, the problem with dress code is that it's, like, society's fault and, like, especially men's fault. I also think that we have to look at, like, the effects of what dress code is doing to young girls who are learning to grow and, like, develop and, like, you know, being in this, like, transitionary period and then they're in this period of their transitionary life, which is so crucial to how they understand themselves. They're being taught like, oh, your body is not okay. And it's a bad thing. And if you display it, you're like a bad person. It's like, Jesus Christ, like, no. And it's teaching them all this stuff that like creates problems in their head down the road. And I just think that like, in order to have these like self-possessed, confident and um, secure woman we need to teach them that their bodies are not something to, like, be afraid of and that you need to hide, you know? Dressing a certain way is no, no indication of how you are, your your intelligence, your happiness, your kindness, or anything, or your worthiness, you know? And I just think, like, just code really, like, messes that up. So, yeah, there you go. Another thing is, like, going back to the principle this whole idea of girls supporting girls, which people love to say that. They love to tad that around. They're like, girl support girls, girl support girls. Okay, well then do it. Like, I don't see, I don't see a lot of girls living up to this saying and not to act all saint-like here because I don't either. But like, we have to make an effort. Like, that principle, saying that stuff, willingly enforcing this misogynistic and archaic dress code onto this girl and then commenting on her body is so the absolute like opposite of girl support girls it is the definition of like a woman in power using the patriarchy to her advantage even even though i feel like she has no no reason to act like that but anyways who what am i to know but i see a lot of girls who consider themselves, you know, feminist, progressive, but then they'll go and say bad things about other girls. And I touched on this in the jealousy episode. And I think a lot of anger and hate toward other women from women, like to women, stems from jealousy and like envy and these false ideas of what we have to be like um according to society and like you know a lot of famous women get a lot of hate just because in my opinion that they're famous successful intelligent beautiful women and other women feel like that's a threat to their being like they're like only so many women get noticed 
And if this woman is getting noticed, that automatically makes me less worthy, which has a lot to say, obviously, about how female success is viewed in our society. But also, like, we all know that that's not true. And we know that, like, if we are putting down other women, we're not winning. Like, nobody's winning in that situation except for the societal standards that we all have and, like, men. So, why do we continue to do that, you know? Like, I see a lot of famous, like, influencers who at a certain point, they're, like, famous, you know, they're rich, they just get hate on. And, like, a lot of it comes from girls and the meanest things can come from girls picking them apart. And I think, like, the nitpicking is one of the biggest things. Okay, so let's say that, like, you have this successful woman, but maybe she traveled in the pandemic to reasons we don't know. She could get absolutely, like, demolished by other women just because of this one problem. Whereas I think that if a man had done that, first of all, he wouldn't be getting so much hate. But second of all, I don't think that women would be so upset about this. Like, I think that when a woman messes up, a lot of times it's other women who are the rudest. And a lot of the times we like to focus on men being the problem, but we can be, as women, equally, if not more, rude and hateful and spiteful to these other women and we are supposed to be supporting each other and I feel like some people will take like one mistake and run with it and just like absolutely drag this like woman to filth just because she is a woman and just because like as other women when we see successful women we kind of get scared and like a little bit nervous and it feels like no one can win without us losing And that's so wrong, and that's just, like, something we have to, like, come more to terms with, is that, like, someone else's success is not your failure, and another woman's success and being smart and beautiful and wealthy and talented or whatever, whatever, is not saying that you can't do that either. And just because a woman, and I think this is a point that a lot of people, it's a tough pill to swallow, just because, like, a woman is well-loved by people, even if she it's, like, well-loved under these patriarchal societal standards, like, maybe she's really, like, fits the beauty expectations, just because she's loved like that doesn't mean we're any less loved, you know? I feel like that's such a hard pill to swallow because no one can live without experiencing the male gaze and I don't think that other women should be blamed for like trying to utilize the male gaze gaze to their own advantage because like you gotta do what you gotta do in this world, you know? Like we can't all be perfect and expecting everyone to be to live up to these like perfect feminist ideal standards is really detrimental to the movement in general when like it's like the sustainability movement where like you don't all have to be perfect it's like if everyone just tries their best that's better than just one person being the most like sustainable person ever it's the same thing with the feminist movement like you could have a woman profiting from the male gaze 
but who is still really outspoken about feminism and stands up for women's rights. And you could have another woman who doesn't choose to profit off the male gaze and is also outspoken for women's rights. And that's better than just having one woman who is, like, the most outspoken for women's rights ever and, like, one woman who isn't. Because it's more of, like, a cultural thing to me where everyone has to have a little bit of this notion of feminism before like we can change the entire world you know girls supporting girls can't be limited to only girls who we think are like perfect feminists and girls who we aren't jealous of like how they can function under a society of the patriarchy you know especially when it comes to famous women I think we need to give them some slack. Like, honestly, all this hate towards... I think of, personally, like, the Kardashians. And obviously, the Kardashians are kind of tone deaf. Um, especially with what Kim Kardashian said recently. Like, here's my advice to other working women. Get your effing ass up and work. It's like, okay, that's, that's a little tone deaf. That's a little, um, please read the room a little bit. But still, like... She says that one thing. Okay, that's not great. But you don't have to, like, send her death threats, you know? Or you don't have to, like, comment on her appearance or stuff. Like, there is a healthy amount of criticism and a healthy amount of, like, constructive criticism. And then there's, like, just being hateful. And there's, like, a fine line between the two. And a lot of people tend to cross it sometimes. Just because, like, the Kardashians are profiting from the male gaze and, like, able to survive in this world... Um, doesn't mean that they're inherently bad people and bad women because they aren't, like, so, so, so fitting all these, like, feminist ideals that we want. Like, just, at the end of the day, they're still people and they're still women and they still go through what women go through. And, like, you don't know, like, they spent their whole lives probably feeling like they were completely on display and, like, overly sexualized or something like that. And that can really do a toll on someone, so do a toll on someone, be a toll on someone. So you just like never know what people are going through when it comes to that. It's I don't think it's ever okay to just be so hateful towards someone because they don't fit your like ideal standards of feminism. And I think like being hateful towards another woman just for that is kind of unfeminist in and of itself. So there's my take on that. Okay, so back to stuff that's like very specific to teen girls. I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome because boy oh boy have I experienced imposter syndrome and I'll take it back to school. Um, as a woman and as a young girl who was, I'd say I'm pretty smart, like I have been in a few classes that were a bit more challenging, like higher level classes where the majority of the students were men and I felt very kind of alone in those classes because I had this inherent feeling and this is like so horrible to think about that I would even feel this but like I was like okay well if I'm in a room full of men then my opinion and like my answers to problems or whatever stuff like that are gonna be wrong and Jesus Christ like that is still like unlearning I have to do but it's like if I'm in a room full of men I immediately feel less smart and it's terrible, but I, so I, like, would doubt myself a bunch in those classes. I'd be like, well, do I even deserve to be here? Am I even smart enough? It's like, girl, you 
uh, you have an A, like, calm down, you have an A and people are failing. So, put a little bit of perspective into this, but, like, I felt so dumb and so stupid, and if I got, like, a single question wrong, I felt undeserving, and one thing I have noticed after being in a class with mostly men is that men tend to be a little bit more confrontational about being right. Like, if I am answering a question, I always tack on, like, a I think or I got or, like, if that makes sense to the end or to, like, the, to, like, the beginning of my answer. But men will just outright say, like, the answer and it could be completely wrong or they'll just, like, say their <laughs> opinion and it could be just wrong. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of girls don't do that or they, they do, like, what I just did. They'll say, like, I feel like instead of just saying, like, their answer flat out, they'll say, like, I feel like or it seems to me or, like, I think that or if that makes sense, where all these things are like, you know the answer, like, you're completely right, and it's just the self-doubt that comes from being in that situation that, like, really, really messes with your brain, and it's so awful. One thing that I have noticed is that when I get something right in those classes, too, I don't even feel like, I don't feel like I'm smart enough to deserve it, and I feel that, like, I'm always a little bit behind and I always have something to prove in those classes. And the reality is I could be the most well-qualified person in the room, but I can't act like that because there are men in the room and then, like, I can't act like the best person, you know? It's kind of one of those mindset things. And it's so awful because I feel like I know that I'm holding myself back from being, like, the best student I could be and, like, really developing my own intelligence and, like, security in myself. But I don't know. There's, like, something so scary about it. That's, like, the saddest thing ever because, like, when am I going to realize that? Jesus, you just have to, like, be confident and self-assured in who you are and just because there's a room full of guys doesn't mean that, like, you aren't smart enough to be there. And honestly, probably quite the opposite. But it's just, like, one of those things where it takes a really long time to unlearn it. And I don't know if I ever will. But, like, I've been trying to get more comfortable with this because I was, like, if I do end up, like going down a more male-dominated study path or, like, major, I'm gonna have to deal with that, like, 24-7, so you gotta, like, fix it now before you get to college, and it's like, Jesus, I can't even state my opinion in a room, in a room full of men because it's, like, scary, and I don't feel smart enough to, you know? So, yeah, there's that, but imposter syndrome really, really sucks, and I feel for any young girls out there who are, like, dealing with it right now, I feel like automatically you discount yourself because you are a woman and, I don't know, society teaches you to, like, shut up and, like, you're not smart, so it's, like, completely, completely horrible and stupid, but yeah. And lastly, I wanted to talk about the experience of being a woman of color because we can lump all women under the same category, like, you're all women, hooray, good for you, <laughs> but in that 
huge umbrella. There's these different experiences that different minorities or different categories of women have. And, like, an experience that I have as an Asian American woman is not the same as a Black American woman might have or a white American woman, you know? Like, it's just really important to talk about, like, the intersection between race and gender. And I wanted to talk about specifically the Asian American Pacific Islander experience as a woman. And as lots of you may know, about a year ago, there was a shooting of eight um, people at a mall in Georgia or something like that, a massage parlor. Um, and most of the victims were Asian American women. And the reason being for the shooting was that this man was, like, talking about, like, he had an addiction to, like, sex or something, and he wanted to, like, rid himself of that, and so they didn't, like, categorize it as a hate crime, but it definitely was because, first of all, it's, like, fetishizing Asian woman, which happens a lot in Western society, also going back to art history, happened for centuries. If you want to look up a painting called La Grande Odalesque, 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 or La Grande Odalesque, it's, I don't know if that's when it started, but it's apparent in that painting. Just careful, it's like a, if you're asking, it's like a, a nude painting of a woman. But anyways, that is like this ideal image of a eastern woman, you know, and the west like has this grand idea of like the mysterious and exotic and it's just like shut up. No, I was born in America. Like don't call me exotic. Like just stop using that word. Stop using oriental. Just like get it together. But anyways, that happened about a year ago and that really shook me. Like I was terrified about that and all throughout the pandemic with Asian American hate crimes, a lot of them being targeted at Asian American women. And especially now, like, if you think about the recent crimes in New York City, and I was watching this vlog that this girl was making. She was, like, traveling to New York City for a week or two, and she was Asian, and she and her friend had to take a bunch of Ubers and taxis everywhere because they were too scared to go on the subway. And and that, like, really hit me because the way she said it was so nonchalant like she's like oh yeah we're just we don't want to take subways right now for safety so we're just we need to take a bunch of ubers everywhere and i was like what it's so terrible that you even have to deal with that and i just think about all these things that we do in our daily lives that we just do them and like we're like it's fine it's whatever that's normalized like to be constantly looking behind you when you go for a walk or a run to own pepper spray, to carry it with you, to, like, have extra padlocks for your doors, and all this stuff. Um, but specifically going back to the Asian American female experience, I think that that has definitely brought a light to me, like, with the hate crimes over COVID of, okay, so my kind of, my people, I, weird to say that, but, like, Asian American people Asian American women in particular are struggling with this. Other women of a color of other races have been struggling too. Maybe it hasn't been so like in my face, but like I have to realize this because of like 
I'm feeling this way about what's going on in the world. Like, there's definitely other women who feel a certain way. And so I think we need to understand that, like, the experience of being a woman is different. And it can be wildly different based on other things, like your race, your sexual orientation, if you're a trans woman too, even. Like, all these things that we just, like, tend to think, oh, yay, we're women, we're all one group. Like, we all have it equally rough. Like, no, like, some women have other issues within that and it's not like anyone's experience is markedly better than others but we have to understand that like okay I might not have the same experience and problems as you but those problems still exist and it's just like empathy you know yeah I was so so upset and like about that comment that that youtuber made because I felt so so bad for her that she has to go through that but she she said it so nonchalantly and that was it just, like, broke my heart, and it made me feel like, geez, like, what a world we live in where, like, you have to do that. And, like, women staying safe at night, too, obviously, like, rape whistles, like, all that shit. It's like, no, that's so not normal. Like, why are we doing that? And why are, like, 14-year-old girls buying pepper spray and, like, alarm bells, you know? Like, god, it's so awful. Yeah. So, what a great note to end on, but thank you guys for listening. I don't have a great note to end this on, but I hope you guys have a good rest of your day, and women, stay empowered, (laughs) and don't submit to the patriarchy. Empower other women, too, because empowered women empower women. Fun quote there with two words, and I hope you guys all have a good rest of your day, Please be careful, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, stay hydrated, and stay away from men. (laughs) Bye, guys.